We're in our series called Going All the Way, and uh, however you want to interpret that, but just um, uh, going, uh, we're going to talk about how going all the way in being able to, <coughs> excuse me, have a marriage, to have a marriage that, that shows the beauty and the blessings of Jesus Christ, and, uh, and that's what we want to do. That's what we want for every marriage. We want it to represent God's plan, God's presence, God's heart. Um, for the world. And so we want every marriage just to be built up and strengthened and every person that's in a marriage to be encouraged. I want to um, start today with just a couple of foundational things. Um, but, but before that, I've got three foundational things I want to say. But first of all, let me say, um, singles, young people, uh, those that are saying, oh man, he's talking about marriage today. That means I can tune out. I can play on my phone. I can... Let, let, let me really encourage you to, to make a special effort to, to tune in to lean in to what's being said here, because, because it's not just about marriage, it's about how we live our lives. And, and one of the things that we're going to touch on in a little bit is that, is that our lives are completely God's. And, and just like Matt said, somebody that wasn't married, somebody that didn't um, get, come to the seminar, they invested in marriage. I'm telling you, if you'll invest in some of the principles that we talk about today, I believe that it won't be long before God will grant maybe that desire for that, that spouse or that person uh, to come and to be a part of your life. Let's prepare ourselves and, and God will do the rest. Amen? <clears throat> so um, a foundational thought number one here is that marriage is God's idea. It, it wasn't something that culture came up with. It, it really, God founded, God created the idea of marriage and he created it with the purpose um, with the purpose of, of being able to bring good, being able to bring blessings into the individual lives, into the lives of men and women and, and children and communities and, and literally to the entire world. God's, that's God's plan for, um, for marriage. In Genesis chapter 2, we read the, the creation account of how that God created men and women and that together, when he brought them together, he entrusted them with the responsibility, with the responsibility of taking his plan and, and just really multiplying it, uh, expanding it throughout the, uh, throughout the entire world. One of our speakers this past, uh, this weekend, and I, I don't remember his name, but I, I loved what he said. He was talking about the concept that in creation, maybe what God did was he took all of the chaos, if you read Genesis chapter 1, the scripture says that, that the earth was, was uh, void and formless, it was really chaotic, and the Spirit of the Lord hovered over it, and then he brought creation, and, and he created a garden, a beautiful place, a place where there was a tree of life, and there were all, everything that man needed to, uh, to exist and to live, and, and then he put man and woman in that garden, and he said, now from this garden, I want you to exercise dominion. I want you to carry the beauty of what's in this garden, and I want you to expand it to the rest of the earth. I thought that was a pretty beautiful picture. Look, start with right, what's right here, the amazing beauty of what's right here, and then expand it everywhere else to the rest of the, you know, to the, rest of the earth. Multiply this beauty, this goodness. And, and, and that's what I, I think God's plan is for marriage. He wants to see his blessing fill people's lives and for it to expand, for it to expand from generation to generation and to every part of the, uh, every part of the world. I, I want to be part of that, don't you? I want to be part of, of being those that expand the purpose, the beauty, the glory of God through marriage into every, uh, every part of the world. The second thing is that God, we talked about this a couple of weeks ago, but God is a God of revelation. 
God's trying. God wants to make himself known in the earth. God wants to make himself known to people. And so he seeks, he's constantly seeking to reveal himself. He, he, he's wanting to speak to people. He's wanting to show himself to people. And one writer, I don't, um, I'd look to see who, who said this, but uh, the one writer says that God is sitting in heaven and he's always throwing pictures of himself to earth so people will see him. In creation, he threw the picture of mountains on the face of the earth so people would see that he is a big, big God, that he's grand and that he's glorious. And, and then he throws the picture of, of men and women. He, he creates things like, uh, like DNA and atoms, and I'm sure some of you know all about that, but that's beyond me. But he does that to show the picture that God is in the details and he cares about the small things. How many people know this morning that God cares about the, the small things and the big things in your life? Isn't he an amazing God? He really is. And so he wants to show the world that those pictures. But the, his favorite picture, the most beautiful picture, I think, that he, he, he shows to the world is the picture that's seen in marriage. And that, that's how it should be. Unfortunately, in so many places, that picture's been distorted. It's been broken and torn up. And, but God's picture, he wants to reveal beauty. He wants to reveal his presence, who he is, through marriage. He desires to use your marriage and my marriage to show the world a picture of who he is. The third foundational thing is that because marriage is God's, he is the only one who gets to define what marriage is and how it works. <clears throat> Amen? I mean, I know culture tries to do that. Um, Hollywood tries to do that. The right tries to do it. The left tries to do it. Government tries to do it. But marriage is God's, and God is the only one who gets to show us, what, tell us what marriage is and really how it should work. One of the great places that he does that is found in the scripture in, in, Ephesus, in Ephesians chapter 5. In Ephesians chapter 5, you'll turn there in your Bibles this morning. We're going to do, we're going to read some scripture. Actually, we're going to read two sections. Uh, we're going to read one section of scripture two times, all right? One section of scripture two times, and we're going to read it in different translations. The first thing we're going to do is we're going to read through Ephesians chapter 5, beginning at verse uh, 11 in the message version of the Bible. Anybody ever heard of the message? Okay, good. So let's, uh, let's read this, and then after we read it in the message, we're going to go and we're going to, we're going to take it from another translation and we're going to go kind of line by line and make some observations about what God is saying, about what marriage should look like, how he wants to work in and through marriage to show his beauty to the world. Amen? You ready to do that? Let's jump in. How many people are ready to do that? The more you say amen, the faster I'll preach. All right. How many people are ready? Well, okay. All right. Here we go. All right. Ephesians chapter five from the message. Don't waste your time on useless work, mere busy work, the barren pursuits of darkness. Expose these things for the sham that they are. It's a scandal when people waste their lives on things they must do in darkness where no one will see. Can I, can I say this? I think the worst way to die is one day at a time, to just let our lives waste away. Amen? Uh, I mean, we've, we've heard people say, oh, this is such a tragic way to die, a tragic way to go. We hear of car accidents and murders and terrible things. I think the, the, the worst way to die is wasting a life one day at a time. That's what he says here. He says, so rip the cover off of those frauds and see how attractive they look in the light of Christ. Wake up from your sleep. 
climb out of your coffins, Christ will show you the light. So watch your step, use your head, make the most of every chance you get. These are desperate times. So don't live carelessly. Let me, I have that underlined. Don't live carelessly or unthinkingly. Make sure you understand what the master wants. Don't drink too much wine. That cheapens your life. Drink the spirit of God. Huge drafts of him. Sing hymns instead of drinking songs. Sing songs from the heart to Christ. Sing praises over everything. Any excuse for a song to God the Father in the name of our master Jesus. Out of respect for Christ, be courteous and reverent to one another. Wives, understand and support your husbands in ways that show your support for Christ. The husband provides leadership to his wife the way Christ does to his church. Not domineering, but by cherishing, okay? And, and I'll give you a little heads up here. Uh, circle that word cherishing. We're going to come back to that word in just a few minutes, all right? But cherishing. So just as the church submits to Christ as he exercises such leadership, wives should likewise submit to their husbands. Husbands, go all out. I put in my notes, go all the way in loving your wives exactly as Christ did for the church. A love marked by giving, not getting. Christ loves Christ's love makes the church whole. His words evoke her beauty. Everything he does and says is designed to bring the best out of her. Dressing her in dazzling white silk, radiant with holiness. And that is how husbands ought to love their wives. They're really doing themselves a favor since they're already one in marriage. No one abuses his own body, does he? No one, no, he feeds it and he pampers it. And that's how Christ treats us, the church since we are part of his body. And this is why a man leaves father and mother and cherishes his wife. No longer two, they become one flesh. This is a huge mystery, and I don't pretend to understand it all. What is clear to me is the way Christ treats the church. And this provides a good picture of how each husband is to treat his wife, loving himself in loving her, and how each wife is to honor her husband. Man, we could stop right there, couldn't we? Boy, isn't that full of instruction? It's full of the, the beauty of a relationship between husbands and wives in Christ and his church. But, but just real quickly today, let, let's, let's take this and let's take it apart and look at some things that God is specifically saying to us about marriage here in Ephesians chapter 5. And, and one more time, let me remind you, everything we do in life is not always just about us. There's times when we receive instruction and wisdom. There's times when we receive revelation that maybe it's not just for me. Maybe it's not just for my situation, but you never know who you're going to meet this week that might need this word of encouragement in their family, in their life, and in their marriage. Amen? So I say drink deeply of this today, all right? Ephesians chapter 5, verse 15 again. Look carefully then how you walk, not as unwise, but as wise people. Pay attention to how you live, guys. I mean, I mean, seriously, we, I, I think sometimes we kind of just, like I said, let life waste away one day at a time. But, but think about how you live. We serve a God who loves to give wisdom to those who seek it. And there's no place where I can think that, that the wisdom of God is needed more than in marriage. Amen? We ha we, when, when you start out in marriage, you haven't done it before. You don't know what you're going to expect. I, I, I've, I've talked to people before. I've said, you know what? 
uh, and I believe, I believe in marriage counseling. I've done lots and lots of marriage counseling through the year. But, but most recently, I've kind of changed what I do. And so when I, I, I marry people now, I tell them, I said, well, there's, there's a couple of conditions. The first condition is we do a few sessions of marriage counseling. But then you've got to agree that we do after marriage counseling, okay? So three months or so into the marriage, I want you guys to come back in. Let's do a check-in. Let's do a checkup. Six months or so, let's do a checkup. After a year, let's do a checkup. I, 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 I correlate it to scuba diving. I love to scuba dive, um, enjoy being in the water. But through the years, I found out this. You can know everything there is to know about scuba diving. You can know how all of the equipment works. You can know all of the, uh, all of the statistics and all that kind of stuff. But you don't know what you're doing until you're in the water. <laughs> it is all different. The first time that shark swims by, right, everything changes. We need the wisdom of God in our marriage. Verse 16, making the best use of the time because the days are evil. Therefore, don't be foolish, but understand what the will of God is. Did you hear that scripture that we were praying this morning as we were singing, right? God, heaven come, heaven come. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. How many people, your, your, your will be done, God. Your will be done on earth as in heaven. How many people would really like to see God's will be done in our, in our lives and in our marriage? Your will, your will, oh God, just like in heaven, right here on earth, your will be done. And, and that's what the scripture is saying here. Understand what the will of the Lord is. Don't be drunk with wine for its debauchery, but be filled with the Spirit. My commentary on that is drunk equals stupid. So, um, okay, you, you know, has anybody ever met a stupid drunk? Okay, um, yes, okay. I won't ask if you've ever been a stupid drunk, but just we've met stupid drunks, right? So, all right, the first place of being wise and knowing the will of God, listen to this, not being drunk with wine but in being filled with the Spirit. If you and I are really seeking the will of God and the wisdom of God in our lives, then, then one of the first things we're going to welcome is the fullness of the Spirit of God in our lives. That's the beginning of wisdom. That's the place where life begins to flow. And, and, and folks, I would definitely highlight this, underline this, circle it, but, but be filled with the Spirit of God. The Holy Spirit not only shows us how to live, but he's the one then that empowers us and gives us the ability to live. Verse 19, so address one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody in your heart. I don't know about you, but there's times when, 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 when I'm not filled with worship, when worship isn't the first thing on my heart. But can I tell you this? There's very few times when I'm genuinely allowing the Holy Spirit to fill my life, when worship isn't a response to the fullness of God. Amen? Anybody else, if you experience that, start out, I don't know, man, having a tough day, and, and you go and you pray, and, and all of a sudden you enter into the presence of the Lord, and you sense the Holy Spirit filling you up. How about you guys? It isn't long before I'm going, oh, thank you, God. You're amazing. God, I don't know how you do it. The situation hasn't changed, but man, my perspective has sure changed. Amen? Things might still be difficult, but I'm believing now, God. I've got faith now, God. Your presence, your fullness has changed everything in my life. So worship, listen, guys, worship 
It's foundational. It's foundational to everything we do, to every relationship we're in. It's foundational to our relationship with God. And worshiping God, being filled with the Spirit, is foundational to the success of any marriage, of any relationship. Verse 20 says, So giving thanks always for everything to God the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. I've said this before, but I am genuinely, genuinely concerned that we live in a culture, that we live in a society that is losing the ability to express gratitude. I, I think I <clears throat> told you all about this. Maybe I told our men's group about this, that just, just, just living with grace and gratitude and even courtesy. Um, some months back, a vet had sent me on an, uh, an errand or asked me to go and do something. She sent me on an errand, all right? So, um, and, she, uh, and so I'm walking into the store. It wasn't a store I'd normally go into, but it didn't have the electronic doors, you know, that open for you. And, and I saw these couple of ladies that were, um, they were, they were um, mature ladies, right? So that's uh, uh, the word I understand. That's the word to use. They were mature ladies walking towards the door when all of a sudden, a couple of um, rambunctious young people kind of ran in front of them, kind of almost, you know, kind of rudely ran in front of them, threw the door open, ran through the door, and the door slammed kind of on the ladies. Before I knew it, the Holy Spirit had come on me and given me a word of prophecy for these kids, okay? I just, hey, what are you doing? Hold the door open, you know? I was like, uh-oh, uh you know, <laughs> But, but I'm, I'm telling you, we live in a culture where, where thanksgiving and gratitude, an attitude of gratitude is going to take us a long way. Amen? Amen? I believe that gratitude is the pathway to every purpose that God has for us in our lives. We're never going to experience the fullness of what God has in our lives if we're not living in a place of gratitude. Verse 21, submitting to one another out of reverence for Christ submitting. You know, it's, it's not talking about just husbands or wives here. What the scripture is saying is that submission is for everyone. Woo, hallelujah. High five somebody. Say, he's talking about you right now. Go ahead and say, right? He's talking about you. Submission is for everyone. Submission is for everyone. Sub, submission is the heart set. It's the attitude of the heart that's going to, that, that, that basically is saying yes to the lordship of Jesus Christ in my life. S submission is saying my life isn't mine, my time isn't mine, my all that I am is his because he is my Lord and he is my Savior. So every person, no matter how young or old we here are here today, that I believe that our lives, the posture, the beginning of a successful posture of our life is to submit, is to submit, okay? To be people who submit. There's times when one, some of our giftings submit to other people's giftings. There's times when, just for example, that, that, that you know, I'm not overly creative, but people will come like Chris and Stephanie and say, hey, we've got a great idea for a stage design. And, and so it's not about me creating, it's about saying, me saying, and I submit to your gift. I, I yield to that gift. And, and folks, if we will submit our hearts to God and we'll be ready to yield one to another, he will fill our lives with the blessings that flow through other people's lives. Sometimes it's us you know, flowing into others. A lot of times it's others flowing into us, amen? But it begins, it begins 
with a place of submission. So submission is yielding in love, it's trusting, it's the freedom to not have to depend upon yourself. How many people say, thank you, Jesus? I do not have to depend upon my own resources, my own strengths, my own wisdom. Some of you all need to be a lot happier about this, all right? I'm telling you, that's right. Man, it's not me. It's not my smarts. It's not my abilities. God, I depend on, on you. It's acknowledging that Jesus is the boss. Amen? Uh, you've heard, I've heard others say this, but can I tell you that, that in our home, Yvette and I don't arm wrestle because she would win. No, Yvette and I, but, but uh, well, except for right now. So <laughs> her sore elbow. Uh, but, um, but you know what? It's not an issue of I want my way, I want my way. It's a matter of God, you're the boss here. Jesus, what do you want? We submit to you. So it's not about getting our way. It's not about our life, about our time, our desires. It's about his life. Amen? So everybody, how many people think submission is important in our lives? Amen? Good. Good. Submissions for everybody. So verse 22 says, wives, submit to your husbands, right? <laughs> okay, somebody's trying to get us all in trouble here today. I'm done. Okay, whoever that was, go ahead and point to them. It wasn't me, right? So, wives, submit to your husbands as unto the Lord. That, that word there in the Greek, it means as, like, even, as unto the Lord. You know, husbands really are appointed, and listen to this, accountable. You don't ever have a position of responsibility without accountability. I've said this for years. I believe that there will be a day when I'll stand before the Lord, and of all of the things that I'll give an account for, the first thing that I'll give an account for is, what have I done with the treasure that he gave me named Yvette? Have, have I helped? Have I been a, an, a, an, a, an agent? Have I been someone who's helped see the glory of God just released and fulfilled in her life? Have I been? Have I been the one that's, that's helped be a covering over her life, helped, helped to lead her, helped provide an atmosphere? We've, we've taught this for years that, that spiritual authority is never about control. Let me say the spiritual authority in a home is never about control. It's, it's, it's not about control for dads. It's not about control for husbands. It's not about control for spiritual leaders. It's about providing a covering so that person can grow up, so they can flourish and become all that God wants for them to be. Amen? Now, that's really good, folks. You need, I'm serious. Amen. Amen. We need to, we need to grab hold of this. We really, we really do. So your husband, um, so your, your, your husband or your wife, listen, it's God's will for your life. This is submission, it's God's will for our lives. Husbands um, need to be honored and respected. This is not an issue of performance. This is not an issue about, well, they don't deserve to be respected. If you knew how they acted or what they said or what, listen, that's not where honor is. I was talking to somebody this week and I said, you know, for me personally, it was years before I could ever honor my dad because I thought that honor, to honor someone, meant you had to agree with them. Can, can I tell you that you can disagree with somebody? You can stand on polar opposites of an issue, but you can still have honor for them and you can still respect them. You, you can disagree with, with, with how they think, what they say, but you know what? Honor is really an issue of the heart. So when it says here, to honor and to respect your husbands, that it's not about what, 
who they are. It's about who you are. So wives, be those people who honor and respect them because really what you're doing is you're being a part of God's plan to meet a need in their life. I'm not going to have time to read this today, but I encourage you to write this down. Go read 1 Peter chapter 3. You'll see more about this interaction of relationships here. Verse 23 goes on to the next step of this. He says, for the husband is the head of the wife, even as the Christ is the head of the church. His body and himself is its savior. Now, as the church submits to Christ, so wives should submit in everything to their husbands, okay? Ladies, again, this isn't a have to do something. This is a get to do something. You see the difference, right? Okay? I used to, my kids, you've heard this a hundred times, my kids used to go in the morning and wake them up. Come on, guys, it's time for school. Oh, Dad, do we have to go to school? No, you don't have to go. You get to go, Right? You don't have to go to work, you get to go to work, amen? You don't have to come to church, you get to go to church, amen? It's not a have to, it's a, it's a get to. Wives, I do want to tell you this, though. Like I said, I think that, that you, you need to understand that the appointment of God upon your life, that you have to meet a need for honor and for respect that God's just built into your husband's. I mean, men need that. It's, it's a primary need to be honored and to be respected. And, and so God creates man, and he, he sees they have these needs. And, and again, he could have just directly met the need. But you know what? His desire to share, to give you privilege, to give you opportunity, to give you the blessing of be able to, to be faithful with something, then God says, no, you get to be a part of meeting this need. And, and it's important stuff. It, it really is. Uh, let me say this. I think that there are, in our world today, I think that there are two major issues. The, the, we know that the husbands have the need for, um, for, for honor and respect. Women have the need for, for love. That's, um, I think, primarily many times it's based in security. It's based in um, affirmation to help them feel secure enough to really discover who they are, to, to, to get their own identity not what everybody else says they are. Amen. Does that make sense? So, but, but I think the distortion that's taken place shows up in two ways. Many times in, in women, I think that the issue manifests, it, it comes out of, I'm not going to submit because I'm going to be independent. I, I'm, I'm going to be my own person, do my own thing, operate, uh, operate in independence. I can be in relationship but I'm still going to be my own person, do my thing, do it my way. And, and can I say this? The cultural studies show this. This is not just an American situation. This is a worldwide situation. For years, many of you know, Yvette and I lived on, a, on an island. And we would, we would talk about the dynamics of how the guys would leave. They'd leave for weeks at a time to go out and to go fishing. And, when they would, and, and so it became a very ma uh, matriarchal society moms decided what happens and and moms would say here's what we're going to eat and where we're going to eat and how we're going to do it and 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 they would just kind of start saying i'm just going to live independently like there isn't any accountability or there's nobody that i need to submit to in my lives and can i tell you that this independence okay the spirit of independence listen doesn't mean that you're not capable or not not able but what it does mean is when we take anything for ourselves and into our own hands Instead of putting it into the hands of God, we're going to have a problem. We're, we're distorting things in our lives. And, 
And for men, uh, and we see this play out in the garden. What, what happens in the garden? What happens with Adam and with Eve, right? Eve standing there and, and Adam standing there and the serpent comes along and he says, oh, go ahead, eat the fruit. You're not really going to die. And who jumps into the conversation? Who starts the dialogue, right? The wife, Eve, jumps in and she, and she begins to act. She begins to interact in independence. Okay, now, men, don't, don't smile too big here because we're coming. You're next, all right? Okay? And, and what does she do? She, as, as, as I read the scripture, she doesn't consult Adam. She doesn't ask. She acts independently in eating of the fruit. In the spirit of independence, okay? Man, listen, I'm, I'm for, you know, women's rights and love you women. I'm not trying to put you down. And can I say this? The greatest thing that you'll ever do to be who God created you to be is be submitted to Jesus and submitted in your relationship to your husband. But men, I'm going to hammer this just a little bit, all right? Every time I read that scripture now over the last few years, I see Adam standing there. And what's he doing? What's he doing? What's he doing? What's he say? Nothing. I think there's a spirit of apathy and of apathy that's just that's coming through this relationship. And, and this is why God, he addresses it over and over again. He says, husbands, love your wives. Love initiates. You've heard me say it for years. Don't tell me you love your wife if you're not praying for your wife. You pray for the things you love, right? And so we see here that, that men have got caught in this trap of, of apathy. Well, she's not honoring, she's not respecting. The same thing is true. Love doesn't depend on who she is or what she does. It depends on who you are. Are you submitted first to Christ? If you're submitted to Christ, you will love your wife no matter what. Amen. Instead of standing around apathy, apathetically, Oh, I know, man, she just goes out and spends all of her time at the store and all she does is shop and all she... And what do you do? Sit around and gripe and complain about it? Well, that doesn't sound like a very successful strategy, does it? Where's, where's the love? Where's the love? No, we'd rather not have to engage, not have to love, not have to be bold, not have to stand in a fearful place of saying no, or at least whoa, right? Slow down. Instead, we let this apathy fill our lives. And so we don't engage in guiding our marriages. We don't engage in leading our homes. We don't engage. We come in from our work and we sit in front of the television and we just hope that by some miracle of God, everything's going to work out okay. And can I tell you that the spirit of independence and the spirit of apathy feed on each other. They feed on each other, and they feed on each other. And then when we're eating on each other, the only thing that's going to be left, right, is devastation and destruction in lives and families. And God loves you too much. To, that's not part of his plan. It's not part of his destiny for you. So he comes back, and we're wrapping it up. Okay, we're wrapping up right here. Okay, verse 25. Husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church and gave himself for her. Love. Hey, listen, do you know what? Sometimes we think this love is soft. Love is strong. I mean, Jesus loved the church and he laid down his life for the church. 
Jesus loved the church. He goes to hell and takes away the keys to death, hell, and the grave. I'm telling you, it's time we men love in such a way that we, we take away the work, the authority, the ability of hell to operate in the lives of our wives and our families. Amen? You know, for years I've, uh, I've said that um, I believe that God's purpose in marriage is to kill you. I, uh, uh, right? <laughs> uh, I want to retract that statement, all right? God's purpose in marriage isn't to kill you. It's to give you a place to lay down your life. There's a difference between getting killed and laying down your life for someone. Remember what Jesus said, greater love has no man than this, than he would lay down his life for his friends. Okay? God gives you children to kill you. He, uh, right? <laughs> or at least to keep you humble. But can I say this? You know what? But it's a purposeful, when we lay our lives down, it's a purposeful death. It's not something that sneaks up on us and, and, and just happens with, 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 with no benefit, no beauty, no blessing to it. It's a purposeful death. For the scripture tells us, says that if we lay our lives down, then what happens? Jesus laid his life down. He gave his life. And what happened? Resurrection happened. <laughs> resurrection happened you know we want resurrection life but we don't want to lay our lives down and God's saying come on lay your life down lay your life down and you'll experience something that you've never experienced I had the joy doesn't always work this way but I had the joy this week of meeting with a young man that I'd counseled with him and his wife starting earlier in fact last spring summer I guess it was and and he, he called me, he said, hey, pastor, I got to meet with you. I said, yeah, man, what's, what's going on? He said, I thought, here we go, you know. He said, I just wanted to meet with you and tell you that thank you. Because we've been married however many years it was now. He said, he goes, and I just, I could have never dreamed, I could have never imagined that marriage could be this great. He goes, it's, it's amazing. We, we sit and we, and we talk with each other instead of argue and fight. He said, we do things together. It's, it's just, he goes, I just can't believe how great it is. I just want to tell everybody. Doesn't that sound like how it's supposed to work? That God works in us so that he can work through us. But it all started. I, I, I had great words of encouragement and counsel for him. I told him he was lazy and selfish. But you know what he did? He could have got upset and angry. You know what he did? He chose to lay his life down. And God is honoring it. He's honoring it in his marriage. Man, there's so much I still want to get to. Can I have just a couple, two more minutes? How many people say two more minutes? All right, okay. Next word here, all right. That he might sanctify her, having cleansed her by the washing with the word sanctify means to separate to separate her from sinful things and dedicate it to God with our love and authority we cover like I talked about we build an atmosphere where they can flourish and then says this by the washing of the water with the word that word there somehow or another throughout the years I had always just figured that was just the, the word of God the logos the logos but you know when I studied this over the last couple of weeks it's not it's the word rhema 
it, it's, it's a very specific, it's a, it's, a, it's a word in right season, right? It's a, it's, a, it's a very intentional word. It's a specific word spoken about some, someone or something to someone or over someone. So let me just ask you this. Husbands, what word are you speaking over your spouses, over your wives? Are you speaking blessing? Man, I'm gonna I'm not gonna bless her. I'm not gonna, she she hasn't been honored. Hey, wait a minute. Not about her, it's about you, right? And, and, and for husbands and wives, listen, I, I'm serious about this. We need to be people who pray for each other. You need to pray for your husbands and pray for your wives and, and begin to declare over them. She is the most beautiful, the most wonderful. She is the best cook. She is the best cook. She is the she is the best cook. <laughs> by faith, right? <laughs> Calling those which things which are not as though they were, <laughs> all right? Right. Well, I'm so thankful we're going out to lunch today. So, um, what are you speaking? Are you speaking that he's an old, no good for nothing? She's just the old lady and oh man, she is beautiful and she is wonderful and he is mighty and he is courageous and he is he is handsome and, and man he is right Woo, man and she is just a firecracker and this is man you don't want to miss next week's message she can't have to keep telling her no stop don't please please don't stop i mean you know that's how we are right so you getting it guys this morning it starts about us what are you speaking into the lives of your spouses? Man, there's so much, so much, so much. Nourish, here we go, two last words right here, nourish. To nourish means to nourish to maturity, to nurture, to bring up. Cherish means to keep warm, to care for, to cherish with tender love. I didn't realize this, but you know what these words are? They're agricultural terms. For someone who's, who's growing a, a garden, maybe, maybe it's a beautiful flower garden, or maybe it's a, a you know, filled with fruits and vegetables, and, but you nourish it, you, you care for it, you, you, you keep it warm, you, you provide an atmosphere so that it can be fruitful, so that it can abound. And that's what God wants to do in every, every marriage. That's what he wants to do in the life of every husband and every wife. Amen.